Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. Good evening, everyone. It is my pleasure to join you tonight with Becky Wade. I'm pulling up my thing so I can see all the comments. Okay, awesome. So it is so much fun to have Becky with me today. Becky and I have known each other, gosh, for probably 10 years, maybe even longer, um, through American Christian Fiction Writers. But Becky, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself because not everybody will have already discovered your amazing award-winning books, but we're gonna give them plenty of opportunities to get familiar with this. So take a moment and introduce yourself. Okay, I'd love to. Well, first, thank you so much for hosting me. Yeah, thanks for joining. It's for me to have um, a chance to chat with you and the readers that show up on your Facebook page tonight. So I was looking forward to this. Um, I am a contemporary Christian romance author. So I have a book coming out in May, which will be my 10th. And all of those have been published with Bethany House. Um, they all have a love story that's very central. And then they all have a faith story that's woven through there's some humor in some of them. There's some mystery for those of you who like mysteries like I do. Um, and hopefully I how you a lot started. of them. <laughs> yeah. Now, and it's great because typically I don't read just straight contemporary romance. And so I either need, there needs to be humor or there needs to be a mystery. And your last couple series have really had both, which I just love. So. And even your Porter House, or not Porter, Porter family. I don't think we've got a Porter House restaurant or something over here. Porter House steak sounds amazing tonight. That's on my mind. Okay, next time we're in the same town, we're going to have to do that. But, um, and we've got all these people tuning in. Thank you. It's so fun to see y'all here. But, you know, even with this series, this series had a lot of heart. I mean, you were dealing with some kind of real gritty issues that, they're subtler in the others. Um, like, I mean, you're, I'm talking PTSD for people coming back from the military, just all kinds of really amazing, deep issues, but yet they're fun. How do you find that balance? Because there is really a sweet, hope-filled, light touch to even these really serious, difficult issues. Well, you've touched on something that I feel like is my brand. Um, yeah. to use like a marketing term. I am interested in stories that have a lot of depth. Mm -hmm. So I want to go deep with the characters. I want to dig around in their backstories. I want to know, you know, what they're afraid of and what traumatized them and really yeah. unpack all of that. And at the same time, I don't want the tone of the book to be heavy or depressing. I want the tone of the book to be charming um, to make readers both smile and tear up a little bit. Um, and I definitely want a sweeping romance. You know, I've never lost sight of the fact that I'm a romance author and I want a really swoony hero and I want all <laughs> the <laughs> falling in love. And so that balance that you just mentioned is something that I really um, work hard at achieving with every single book. 
And it's well, not always and I think, is that easy to try to get yeah. there. It takes a lot of rewriting and trial and error. So are you a pantser more than a plotter? And for the readers out there, pantsers are those who kind of discover the story as they're writing, whereas plotters have kind of this chapter one and then chapter two, and they kind of know, and I've written both ways. So even when I'm definitely a plotter, there's still discovery along the way, but it's a little more organized, I guess. So is it, when you say it's a discovery, do you mean that you're just kind of, you've done all the character research, but then the story kind of comes to you as you're writing, or is it a little more defined? I would say that that is true, what you just said of me. I do have uh, a lot of character work and research on the front end and a general idea of where I'm going. So I know where I want to land the story, like the climactic scene and how things are gonna resolve is usually somewhat clear to me. Um, but then the rest of the book, I figure out as I go. So okay. I, if I was to say between a pantser and a plotter, I'm probably a hybrid, but yeah. maybe slightly more toward pantser <laughs> in that equation. Well, and I think that, you know, I, when I was first writing, all of my publishers required that you have to do chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and they wanted to know up front, which then meant I could write the book really fast because I'd done all that thinking ahead of time. And so it really was, I call it stringing pearls on a, a string and they won awards. So they still were very good books, but now I'm a little more probably hybrid in that I do tons of character research. Yeah. I mean, tons of what's their Enneagram number, you know, what's their love language, what's their language of forgiveness. I mean, I go into all that kind of stuff and then I'll know a few plot points and then it's kind of, okay, now we'll see what happens. And then, <laughs> The beauty of that is there is some discovery, but it does mean sometimes there's more rewriting because you'll find something or your editor will go, ooh, you need to flesh this out. This is good. Let's make it bigger or more part of the story. So do you have that with your editors or is that just a unique Kara Putman writing quirk? No, that's 100% accurate. Uh, I do end up rewriting a lot more than I would if I yeah. had the story all figured out at the beginning. But I love finding things out as I go. I love yeah. the Lord revealing things to me along the way that I didn't know. And yeah. I feel like that's one way that I keep, hopefully the books fresh for readers too, that mm -hmm. things aren't necessarily happening in this predictable way. Um, the things that they think might happen don't necessarily happen. And yeah. you know, I want that. I want some plot twists and some surprises and for the story to feel fresh. So yes, the, the bargain that I make is that I just know I'm gonna be doing quite a bit of rewriting and my editors do give me a ton of feedback. Uh, by the time I submit it to them, I've already rewritten it once and gotten it as far as I can by myself, but I'm very close to it at that point. And they come in with experience and fresh eyes and they give me a ton of feedback and it takes me quite a while to integrate all of that and to strengthen the story, you know, according to what they had to say or to suggest. Mm -hmm. So it's very, um, ultimately it's very collaborative by the time it gets to the finished product that goes onto a bookstore. Yeah. Shop. And that's what I love about traditional publishing is you really have that back and forth. And I couldn't agree more with the, I get it to the point where it's as good as I can get it at that point in time. And then I'm too close and I need to release it knowing that my editor is going to see things with very fresh eyes and bring all of their experience with reading and, you know, knowledge of the craft and all that. And together we can make it, you know, an even higher level book. So 
um, it's fun to see all the comments from people about two of my favorite uh, writers. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm in Becky Wade's, you know, category. Yay! <laughs> and Rachel McDaniel says, Becky, your stories always have such a great balance between humor and heavy. And I think that's why I love them so much. And at the same time, what I appreciate about your romance is I literally could let my 12 year old read them. In fact, I think this was the book that you signed for her that, oh no, it's the, there was another one that for her birthday, yeah. I had, I had lost it. I had loaned it to someone and not gotten it back something. And so I had you sign one for her and I was like, this is how I want to write. And I know it's how you write where I can give it to a 12 year old. I can give it to a 99 year old grandma and I'm not going to be embarrassed in either way, but it's still going to be rich. It's going to be fun. Well, mine might not be so fun because I've got bodies, but you know, the, the idea that there's nothing to be ashamed of. You can't be like, oh, you can't read this. And I appreciate that because I've got these kids who read beyond their grade level and they don't want to read Little House on the Prairie anymore, even though it's a wonderful book. And so having those books that are going to be safe and yet they're, there's, they're real, they're meaty. So thank yeah. you for writing books like that. I really appreciate it. Well, that's one of my absolute favorite things about writing Christian romance. And that is yeah. that, you know, when I hear from a 12 year old girl who is reading maybe above her grade level, she likes books that are longer, that are about adults, yeah. you know, and some of these things, because I was her at that same age. Um, exactly. But yeah. I hear from a girl like that, I know that she's a girl that loves a romantic story and loves to go on that journey with the characters. Yeah. And that's, that was me, you know, when I was yeah. that same age. And so I, I adore that girls that are that young or girls that are in high school or whatever can mm -hmm. read this and um, that I can feel really good about that because I'm a mom of three myself and um, that became really important to me. Yeah. I could pass, you know, those books along to go in their school library or um, yes. to give to a friend. Yeah, because it is... I mean, I read fast. I think I'm at like 31 books so far this year, but at the same time, I can't keep up on everything my kids are reading. And so knowing, not that you're safe because you're dealing with real life, but that I don't have to worry about the language. I don't have to worry about the sex factor. I just, I don't have to worry about that, that it's, I can know it's a good story that I can give to my daughter who's so much like I was at that age. And even with my older daughter, same thing. I could, here's, I was like, here, this is the, this is the bookshelf that I don't, you can pick anything. I don't even have to think about it because it's a right. Becky Wade or a, you know, Jen Toronto or whoever. So That's not going to be too young for your older daughter. You yeah. Know, a lot of my readers are women our age or older. Yeah. They don't read it and feel like, oh, this is for a younger reader. You know, it's sort of exactly. like ability, what you write and what I write to, um, reach and minister and entertain just this wide age range, which is a huge blessing. Yeah. I love that. So I want to ask Rachel's question real quick before we dive back into some of these. And she's like, because Rachel McDaniel is an author as well, um, she wants to know what's your favorite phase of writing, dreaming up the story, drafting, rewriting. <laughs> I personally despise the dreaming stage. I, that's, I hate that's my favorite. <laughs> oh, no, we need to write together because the proposal stage, I just want to beat my head against a wall and I just want to get to, let's get to it. But it's important. I'm just like, oh, can I get out of my head yet? <laughs> I love that stage the most. 
I love it because um, it's so creative and it's so hopeful and I'm very excited at that stage yeah. about these ideas. And as things slot into place, I begin to see this vision. And then I have to actually start doing like the real hard work. <laughs> That's what comes in, in all the other phases. <laughs> so I do love the, the dreaming phase. Uh, the best. See, in, the type A in me likes the phase where the word counts going up every day and I okay. can see progress. Yes. Where I think sometimes all the character space and the coming up with, okay, what are the, what are the hooks? What are the key plot points? It feels like nothing productive is happening because it's primarily in my head or on a spreadsheet yep. and that's not true, but that's been my feeling for a long time. And I'm finally starting to go, no, if I do this right, then it actually becomes pretty helpful. It's part of the pre-work. It is work, but that satisfying uptick of the, you know, the daily word count isn't <laughs> happening. Yeah, I understand. You like the payoff of the of the clear number. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it, okay. So oldest to oldest, you know. <laughs> it's hard to feel that it's, sense of satisfaction at the end of your workday, which all of us want to feel when yeah. it's more open-ended and more nebulous. Yeah. Like, well, today I just thought about these characters for a while. Like, it's not measurable. <laughs> yeah. So who's your favorite hero? Is it Jake? <laughs> And you know, I get asked this question a lot and I never answer. So I'm sorry <laughs> to those of you who would like to know the answer. Um, I don't have a favorite because uh, it's cliche, but I really love them all. I mean, I spent a year with every one of those guys, every one of the heroes of my novels. I spent a whole year with him, you know, living in my head, me experiencing his emotions, me falling in love with him. Yeah. Oh, I, I try to make them all quite different. So it's almost like, in a way, comparing apples to oranges a little bit. But the hero that typically um, is like in my mind and my heart the strongest is the one that I'm currently working mm -hmm. on or the yeah. one whose book I just finished. So like when I have just finished a book and I have to transition and begin another one, I don't love this hero yet because I don't even know him very well yet. Like I haven't written his yeah. story. Um, so I'm still in love with the, the guy that I just finished, his book. And then eventually I'll begin to fall in love with the new guy. And then he becomes my current favorite. Um, yeah. that, you know, that's what I hope happens for me every single time. Because if you're going to love him, I have to love him first. <laughs> so yeah. I work really hard to um, try to make them all sort of multidimensional and different and make them all men that I myself fall in love with. So is there pieces of your husband in them? Because that's a question I'll get frequently. Or they'd be like, which one's most like your husband? I'm like, well, there's different aspects of him. It's kind of sprinkled across many of them because he's a multidimensional person. But do you find anything like that? Or do you find that, you know, your dad's in part of this one and maybe some guy you know from something else is a little bit or your brother or, you know, whatever kind of sprinkled across them? Or where do you get your inspiration? You know, uh, I do draw on my husband for inspiration a lot because he's one of the men that I know the very best. And sometimes I'll even go to him and actively say, you know, what would you say in this situation? Yes. What would you be thinking? Or how would you react just to kind of pick his brain and get a guy's point of view? Because I always want my guys, when I'm in their point of view, I really want them to seem like men. And yeah, real, exactly. Like real guys and not like a female author is writing their perspective. So yeah. I do rely on him quite a bit and he comes in and helps me. I think the hero that is probably most like him 
and the relationship dynamic that is most like his and mine is um, Ty Porter and Celia from uh, Meant to Be Mine. So I did draw quite a bit on our banter and our yeah. um, our kind of funny, um, witty dynamic that we have between the two of us. And I poured some of that into that story. But of course, no character is all him. Yeah. Um, or they'd all be the same. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and Lethal Intent is the most like my husband and I's story because okay. it's we were friends first and had to go through the process of, okay, do we choose to be risk being more and all of that. So it was kind of fun to do that. But um, I'm laughing over here because, you know, I was like, oh, we need to collaborate. And um, yeah, everyone's saying we need to collaborate. So you just need to tell your editor at Bethany that, you know, there's a, a future collaboration. Yes, I will be waiting. Where do we pre-order? All kind of, it's really funny. Well, I can yeah. dream up the story and you can do all the rest. There you go. That works. That Because it's always been fun. Trisha Goyer and I have written a number of books together yeah. for Guidepost. And then Sarah Sundin, Trisha and I worked on that novella collection. It's just fun. It's a different type of creating when you get to do that, which is kind of fun to break out of and try something different. So um, someone is asking, will my stubborn heart get a sequel? Would you they would love to see a continuation of Matt and Kate. So I love Matt and Kate. Uh, my Stubborn Heart was my first Christian fiction uh, romance. It came out back in 2012, but it's still one of the books that people mention to me the most. And that means a lot to me that people still think of it so fondly and that they would want to see more about this couple. They are the only standalone also. So, you know, if you fell in oh, love yeah. with Bo and Meg or you fell in love with John and Nora, then you had a chance to kind of they follow show up. them through subsequent yeah. books. But if you fell in love with Kate and Matt, you never had a chance to follow them through subsequent books because there was only just the one, just the standalone. Yeah. I don't have any plans at this time um, to write more about them because I really felt complete uh, where mm -hmm. I left them. Um, but you never say never. Yeah. Who knows what could happen down the road. So do you ever have readers contact you with like, when are you going to write this? So like Lethal Intent, uh, it's been interesting to me the number of readers who have said, you've got to write another book because we have to know what happens with X. And, and the first time I was like, oh, okay. And then the second time I was like, oh. And then the fourth time I was like, oh, you guys really are curious about this. So is Matt and Kate that equivalent for you? Or is there another you know, situation or something that was like this little bloop and you didn't think it was anything important. The readers are like, oh my gosh, we need more. What, what's happening here? You know, Kate and Matt's story is the one for me where we okay. want more and I don't have more to offer. <laughs> yeah. I try, with my series, I try to anticipate what readers are going to want and then deliver that in the subsequent books. So I'm usually pretty clear, especially with my Bradford series and my new Misty River series, I'm pretty clear about setting up the books that are to come so that readers kind of can anticipate, you know, before they yeah. even tell me, we want Willow and Corbin's story. I already yeah. writing Willow and Corbin's story. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping that that's what they're going to want next. Yeah. Um, and then like in the, in the series that I'm working on right now, I'm working on the final novel uh, because I knew that myself and readers hopefully would want to see Luke's story. But then I also have a secondary romance in there because I can anticipate 
that they would want to see a love story for this other character too. <laughs> so I try to think ahead and, yeah. and um, figure all of that out before I even start writing the series and sort of meet all those needs along the way. And so uh, there hasn't been any kind of situation very much like that with my series where people have been like, please tell a story about. Yeah. So, now there was one character in uh, the Porter family series that as soon as I met him, I was like, oh, I want to write a story about him. And it was uh, Corbin from the book that you just yeah. uh, picked up because he was in her one and only as a secondary character. That's right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to write a story about him. So he's the only character I ever carried over into a new series and then yeah. gave him his own story eventually. <laughs> That's so fun. Whenever I can, if I can tell a happy ending about any kind of character that <laughs> I... I'm really drawn to, to that extent, I will. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and okay, so I've read, I, I must've read all of them then because I've, I started with My Stubborn Heart and I've worked through all the series and the Porter Family series is great, but there is something, and I keep holding up this one, uh, but like the prequel novella is epistolatory basically, uh, or journals, it's like journal entries. And then this one, I just adored absolutely adored not just because of the dress and the red shoes although those definitely <laughs> caught my attention from the beginning love, the dress. love those shoes oh oh my gosh so amazing but then i couldn't wait to get to brit and xander's story and i thought that one was just pitch perfect because we'd spent two books getting to know them and like oh this is going to be tricky because i've already loved the first two you know sisters and then Brit's gonna be tricky. And Xander was perfect. I mean, his story, oh my gosh. So, you know, I, and this, I was telling you earlier, the fun for me y'all is I get to chat with these people, my friends before we get on and chat with y'all, but Whitney's story, or sorry, Willow's story Willow. has just always stuck with me. The, there's something about the spiritual thread that as an oldest, I just so, resonated with and it's one of those books that I just can't wait to get back into when I'm done binging the Christiane Hunter series I've been reading those completely in order it sounds like now I need to do the same thing with Porter family back um, <laughs> how do you come up with those spiritual threads is it just from the character you know spending that work getting to know the characters or do you have like a theme for a series or how does is it organic how does that come about well, thank you so much. First of all, I really, it means a lot to me to hear that um, Willow's story and Britt's story both really resonated with you. Um, I come up with the character's spiritual storyline several different ways. Sometimes it does spring from the character work I do at the outset and I have a good picture of what the spiritual mm -hmm. arc is going to be. That was the case with Stay With Me. Um, before I even started writing that book, I knew what her journey would be. I knew the faith journey that she needed to go on. Um, I knew what that book was about. Like I, I understood all the elements of her journey before I even began writing. But then other times um, I don't. And I really sometimes have to work at that and work at that. And that also can come just through a yeah. lot of prayer and a lot of rewriting, trying to get the character to divulge to me what their faith journey is going to be. So it just varies. I do always have a theme and I do always really try to use that to make the story more cohesive. Mm -hmm. So for example, in the book that's coming out 
in May, uh, Let It Be Me, the theme is so God's sovereignty. And so that really did instruct the hero and heroine spiritual journey. But sometimes too, it takes me a while to figure out the theme. You know, sometimes yeah. I get that at the beginning or the middle, but sometimes I don't get it till I've written the whole draft. And then I'm like, oh, now I see. <laughs> so that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. I had that happen with Shadow by Grace, which is uh, my World War II Monuments Men story. And I was like, oh, I'm just Shadow by Grace. That sounds like a great title. Slap it on the proposal. It sells. I'm writing it. And I get all the way to the end. and went, oh, that's actually the theme. Her life is shadowed by God's grace, even when she doesn't know to look for it. And I was like, oh, God, you're so cool. Because it wasn't like I had this grand theme and then I was like this is the title that will illustrate that theme for everyone but then to look back and see how it just kind of been woven throughout and I love it when that happens because that's when I'm like this is a partnership with the creative God it's not just me saying oh I'm just going to write words and they'll be great and people will read them but it's really that partnership so like when you were talking about praying and trying to figure out I mean I think sometimes people go well that's weird but as a writer I'm like that's crucial. I mean, that's what makes our books different, I think. Well, and I couldn't agree more with what you just said. My writer friends and I have all talked about how that has happened to us, how yeah. in the writing of the book, it's almost like you need to show up in obedience and do your part. And then the Lord will reveal something to you that you didn't see before, but then you'll realize yeah. that the seeds were there for that all along. Even in the writing, that you weren't consciously you weren't consciously sowing those seeds, but he was through you. And it was all yeah. that was there just waiting for you to discover it and then sort of water that seed and bring it, you know, up and grow it. But it yeah. was all there. And that is one of the most exciting, amazing parts about being a Christian writer or those moments of epiphany when you're like, oh, yes. I realize now I see it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there is. There's just something. I, it's kind of that epiphany or that that's when we're most reflecting the creative heart of God. And I mean, that isn't that central to who he is, you know, that it, it all begins with creation. It's all going to end actually with the creation of a new earth. And so it's so neat when there are those moments when I can go, okay, I'm in sync. I'm totally in sync with that. The Holy Spirit's given me whatever I need for this. And it's the most amazing thing. So, so many more comments about you both are so talented. Thank you. Um, Sabrina says she thinks it's awesome that we pray about our books and pray over the writing. And it's so true. I mean, it sounds kind of weird when you say it, but there are so many times I've had to go, okay, God, I don't have a clue. I'm going to go for a walk. Let's talk, you know, and, and yeah. figure it out. There is an integral piece of this process for sure. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really am cognizant of how much I need his help at every writing session. Yeah. And so, you know, I need to ask him for that before I even feel equipped to start. So, we were talking a little bit earlier, COVID, and your kids have been home for the whole year. So you haven't had that space that you've been used to. Um, okay, everyone's gone. I can write for a few hours before the family comes back. How have you been able to create? Because it's something that's starting to kind of percolate um, in writing communities. But I think all of us, regardless of what we do, have been feeling that, ugh. I can't travel. That's where I get so much inspiration and just creativity. It's just from being in someplace new and seeing something different. I can't do that right now. My day job is taking all of my creativity 
to do what I need to in my day job. And so that's fine. It's okay. But how are you, I guess, keeping the well clean, the pump prime, whatever horrible simile you want to use yeah. to be able to continue to create in a year where nothing has been like it's like it normally is? To be honest, it's been really hard. Um, I guess the, the answer would be, how have I done it? Sheer desperation. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, I had deadlines and I had my computer. And so I had to just figure out a way to make it happen. And I'm an introvert. I thrive on time by myself in the quiet. I work with it quiet. I need that to be able yeah. to think and to concentrate. Um, and a lot of that was ripped away. And so there were times when I would be hiding from everyone out in the backyard with my computer in my jacket bundled up because it was cold, but I was just so, like hungry for just some quiet and some space. Um, so I just, um, I had to learn to adapt. I had to learn to write at a little different schedule than I had before. Yeah. Um, I relied heavily on dictation. So when I would go out on my walks, I would be alone. And so I would dictate scenes yeah. when I was out there alone. I just, like so many yeah. families around America and in other countries, I just found a way. And yeah. the Lord in his grace provided, even though the circumstances were not ideal. Well, and I think that there's something about deadlines Yeah. that, I don't know about you, I've never missed a deadline in 34 yeah. books. And it's, but it's kind of one of those, I did have to ask for an extension one time of like a week, but she was at ACFW. She's like, of course you need a week. You need more than that. And I was like, no, no, because I got other deadlines, but there's something about it. Yeah. But there's a deadline. There's something about a deadline that just, you can't just kind of flitter away right. and it, it can make you become creative. And I love the idea of dictating um, because I'll know sometimes without COVID, you know, you'll get stuck in a story and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to start writing longhand. I'm just going to change my process a little bit. And it doesn't take long, like a page or two. And then I'm back on the computer because it's more efficient. But there's something about just being flexible and changing your process that can actually be creative and help you kind of, or at least helps me get back into a mindset where I'm like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. So dictating sounds like a great way to be able to kind of get it going. It's not going to be perfect, but you've at least got something on paper that you can edit and start fixing. That's right. And the fact that it's not going to be perfect is actually freeing because if I'm sitting at yeah. my computer, perfectionism can freeze me. And when I'm writing the rough draft, I don't need it to be perfect. I just need to try to get the story down. So when I'm out dictating, yeah. I know it's going to be really rough. And, and that's, that's okay. What I, that's maybe what I need right then is the, the permission to write something really rough. And yeah. so also just moving, you know, like getting up and moving kind of sometimes yes. helps. like you talked earlier about going for a walk and saying, Lord, just show me what you have to yep. show me during this walk. And sometimes moving is also mysteriously helpful. Yeah. That's the, one of the things I've had to give myself permission in is realizing there is actually, it's actually part of the creative process to walk away and to recognize for whatever reason I'm stuck. And so I'm going to give myself the space to go for a walk or to read a book or watch a movie or something, knowing, trusting my subconscious enough to know it's going to be working on the problem. And so you can go, you can pray, give yourself the space to walk away and then come back. Whereas before I would just like, I'm going to do this. I can't walk away until I have my X number of words or whatever my artificial deadline is. And yeah. 
you know, that's something that I've had to grow into and be like, oh no, that's actually part of the process. And I can trust it because I now know I can finish books. You can finish books, but it's recognizing it's not all going to go perfectly. So um, do you have any writing quirks? Any certain snack or drink or listen to a certain soundtrack? I don't listen to anything at all. So that's a quirky thing. I like to have um, a very routine approach to writing. Okay. So before I write, you know, I typically have my lunch and then I have my tea and then I have my quiet time. Um, and then I rewrite the prior day's pages and edit those and get those all cleaned up. And then I begin. So that's one of my quirks is that I follow this mm -hmm. very regimented schedule. I mean, down to the T, right? It's like very okay. regimented every time. And somehow that kind of ushers me into um, writing. Yeah. You know, those habits that just work for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And for me, it would be more, um, I do write to music. I actually need music, but I'm an extrovert. And so I think it's like, I, I have a hard time writing in absolute quiet because then I'm like, what am I missing? What's going on that I'm not part of? And so I will use soundtracks. Um, it changes based on the book, but you know, country when I'm writing like a you know, contemporary romantic suspense or um, lately it's been a lot of Marvel soundtracks or one book, it was all this bumpy, it, bouncy pop music. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> it's like, that's my signal that my brain goes, oh, now we're in the space. And if I get stuck, sometimes it's because it's been too long since I've had that music in the background. So many of my books have been written to Wonder Woman and Marvel soundtracks that I just, I can't even listen to them without going, oh, this is what was playing when I wrote this scene for whoever. Oh, and so, yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you cultivate a music memory where you remember the yeah. scene you were writing when you were listening to that. It's kind of like me, like I remember where I was on my dictation walk when I dictated. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah, your soundtrack's just birds. Mine's, you know, No Man's Land from Wonder Woman or right. whatever. So, but that, that can really help me get in the mood or kind of the, the feel of the scene, which can be nice. Yeah, yeah and Joy's like, I love the Wonder Woman soundtrack, me too. I think I need to go watch the Nomi. Well, I, I, I love Wonder Woman just in general. So yeah. that sounds like yeah. a good soundtrack. <laughs> we could just talk about how perfectly plotted that origin story is. 1984 was good, but man, that first one. Whew. So, so well done. Tight, yeah. tight plotting. Yeah. Yeah. So great. And I mean, No Man's Land scene is like literally at the 50% mark and just all these things from listening to Michael Haig. I'm like, oh, I know what they're doing. I know exactly what they're doing. This is perfect. <laughs> So, all right. Well, we are actually a few minutes over. Okay. So thank you to everyone who commented and popped in. We had such a great conversation thread going there. Um, love the spiritual arc and stay with me and Sam. People are swooning over Sam and his accent and his spiritual journey. I can't wait for the next one. And so this one is your last book and the sequel is coming out in May. That's right. So Stay With Me was my last release. And that's the first book in my Misty River Romance series set in the North Georgia mountains. I was ready for a mountain town setting. Oh, yes. um, and so the next book is called Let It Be Me. And it does. It, it um, is, follows right after Stay With Me. And then I'm working on the third and final book in the series now. Yay! And then you get to imagine what's next. Because you've done... This was Washington State. Yes. And this was Texas. That's right. I know. I'm going to go somewhere different next. And I can't wait to, 
to pick out where I go. I'm kind of feeling maybe the Northeast, like tugging me up Ooh. that direction. Yeah, um, that would be fun. But there's so many wonderful settings that I haven't yet tried yeah. that I would love to eventually. Plus I get to go and visit all of these places and call it research. So it's just exactly good for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and soon we'll be able to travel again. I know. I can't wait for that. I need that. I love travel. Yeah, it's, it is something that feeds creativity and just experience. You know, the more we see, the more we experience, the more we have to write. So, so many people saying thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Becky. Thank you to everyone who joined in. Next week, I will be conversing with, I had it, Catherine Ray. So, yeah, it's been so much fun. I'm getting to talk to all my like really good writing friends and introduce them to you and you to them. So thanks so much for joining us tonight and tune in next week when it's Catherine Ray. Thanks Thank so much. You, Thank you so much, everyone. Good night. Good night. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com, and you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in. 